This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Praxis Mutual Funds. They are a leading faith-based family of mutual funds helping people integrate their finances with their values since 1994. With Praxis, your investments can make a difference for you and the world around you. Learn more at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Have you ever had a family member or friend ask you to lend them money? Talk about being put on the spot. Hi, I'm Rob West. It's a tough situation to be in, and you should think and pray about it before deciding whether to lend or not. Today, I'll give you some advice from God's Word to guide you, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, it's probably safe to say that being asked to lend money makes people uncomfortable. It's often a big decision that has consequences no matter how it turns out. When you lend money to another, it changes the relationship. Proverbs 22.7 reads, the borrower becomes slave to the lender. Lending money can hurt a relationship. And that can happen whether you lend the money or not. You're between a rock and a hard place, and it seems like either way, someone may end up resentful. There are really only three things that can happen, and only one of them is good. If you decide not to lend the money, the other person could be upset. If you do lend the money and the other person doesn't repay it, you'll probably be upset. It's only the third possibility that makes everyone happy. You lend the money and the borrower pays it back. But consider carefully why they asked to borrow in the first place. They may not be able to repay the loan if they're already in bad shape financially for whatever reason. Fortunately, the Bible has much to say about this predicament. First, God's Word tells us to help those in need, lending money if necessary. Deuteronomy 15.8 says, You shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Uh, Turning to the New Testament and the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.42, Jesus says, Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And finally, a verse that might make you think the only proper response is to lend money to a family member in particular is 1 Timothy 5.8, which reads, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So do those verses mean you always have to lend money when asked? Not at all. They imply two things. First, that there must truly be a need. And second, that lending the money would actually help the borrower and not simply allow that person to make more unwise financial decisions. Here, Scripture has more to say. Proverbs 13.11 warns about one possible outcome with lending money. It reads, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Getting a loan is often the easy way out. Maybe the borrower tells you the loan would be a lifeline, which it may be. But it's also easy money, and the borrower may not appreciate the effort it takes to create that wealth. When you have to work hard for something, you tend to want to hold on to it. Hard work produces character and wisdom. Proverbs 21.20 reads, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. 
So before you go get out the checkbook, think carefully about whether there's a real need. You also have to be sure that lending the money will actually help the borrower. Here are some questions you can ask yourself. Can the borrower repay the loan? If there's not sufficient income or ability, promises to repay will come to nothing. Then ask, what shape will you be in if the money isn't repaid? If you can't afford to lose it, then you can't afford to lend it. Then ask, can you help in another way? If the person needs money to repair a car, for example, could you give rides to work until they've saved enough for repairs? And last, ask yourself, can you make the money a gift instead of a loan? That way you're not expecting it to be paid back, so you can't be disappointed and your relationship won't suffer. But again, only do that if you can afford it and the gift doesn't encourage more financial mismanagement. Finally, if you do decide to lend the money, draw up a written agreement, even if you're lending to a family member. When something's in writing, it clarifies things and makes it known who's responsible for what and when. The loan agreement should specify the amount, interest rate if any, payment structure, and collateral. That will help eliminate misunderstandings later on. You can find lots of promissory note templates online. Just fill in the blanks. Oh, one final thought if you end up lending the money. Make preserving the relationship your priority. Be prepared to forgive the loan if it keeps the relationship intact but that's only possible if you have the ability to lose it in the first place. So those are some things to consider before lending money to a family member or friend based on the counsel from God's Word. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Are you searching for a way to become a better, faithful steward of the resources that God has given you? Well, download the FaithFi app and join the 37,000 others who are already using our app. The FaithFi app will provide you with wisdom, community, and simply help you stay on track with your finances. We have three money management options to choose from, so find an option that fits your unique needs. It's available on desktop or mobile. Simply go to faithfi.com and click app to get started. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. All right, it's time to take your calls and questions today on anything financial. The number to call is 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. We've got some lines open today. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's begin today in Illinois. Hi, Lee. Thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I, I really appreciate this. Um, I was uh, uh, listening to you um, earlier, and um, I, I do have uh, two questions. And uh, the first one is um, um, it's, it's kind of quick. Um, I I tried uh, different um, uh, budget um, um, uh, budgets, and I can't I stray off of them, and I I can't seem to stay on any of them, and I I know you mentioned um, a couple of apps that um, um, on the radio that that you might um, uh, I might 
be able to try. And I, I, it seems like maybe I, I might be able to to stay on a, a uh, on that much better. Um, yeah. uh, could you repeat those um, again? Um, I might I might be able to maybe. You said um, they might be able to maybe guide me. Sure. On on some. I'd be happy to, Lee. Let me ask you, what's been tripping you up in the past? Where does it seem to kind of go off the rails, if you will? It's procrastination, I think. You know, I start on it really well, and then um, I I go to the grocery store, and then I see, oh, this and that, and then, oh, I need this, and, and then, and then I, I, I don't go back to my, my budget and say, you know, I overspent here. And then I, I don't, um, you know, I, I don't compensate, you know, if I, I overspent on one, one place, I, I don't, you know, cut back on, on, on the other. Yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, the 1% that I'm supposed to put over here, I, 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 I borrow from Paul to pay Peter and, and, sure. and it's just, it's just not, it just doesn't yeah. work. Sure. And well, I'm, a couple of thoughts know, on that. I, I think the key for you is, yes, you need a good system that's going to work for you, and it's got to fit with your personality, the way God has wired you. So some of us tend to be more hands-off and directional, just wanting to know that things are headed in the right direction. Others want to be more hands-on and detailed, and you've got to find a system that works for you in order to uh, pull that off. But I think even before that, Lee, what's also important is that you understand the why behind the budgeting process. It's not just about restricting yourself, which is never fun, but it's about understanding the bigger win down the road that you're ultimately solving for. And so if you start with this idea that I want to look at my values and what's important to me and how God is directing me in the future, and I want to be able to save for a time where I could redirect my time and energy toward service to the Lord in a different way, and that means I need to have a retirement fund in place, and I want to be able to you know, put a, uh, one of my kids through college, or I want to be able to give more away. I mean, whatever it is that God is leading you to, you want to define that in advance. And that needs to be connected to your deeply held values and priorities. Because if you're ever going to be successful at sacrificing in the short term, you need to know why. You know, there's a principle that says the longer term the perspective, the better the financial decision you're going to make today. And so in order for you to have that long-term perspective and know what you're ultimately trying to accomplish down the road, that's going to be key for you being able to say, you know what, I want this item that I see right in front of me, but guess what? There's not any more left in the, the uh, I'll call it the envelope uh, for that particular category, and so I'm done for the month. I'm not going to buy it because if I do, that's going to take away from my ability to have a surplus at the end of the month, which is going to really be key to funding my longer term goals that are really connected to my values. So I think you've got to start at that level or else you'll never be successful because you're going to play this game in your head of, well, it's not really a big deal. You know, what's another $50? And you make the purchase and now you've overdrawn in that envelope, so to speak, and you've just eroded your margin, your 
ability to save for the future. So I think you've got to start there prayerfully and with a goal-setting process. Then, once you establish that budget that balances, and remember, it can't total more than 100%. If you're spending 110% of your take-home pay, you're going into debt. And if even if you're spending 100% of your take-home pay without having any margin or surplus, you're never going to be able to accomplish your long-term objectives. Your lifestyle spending is really the primary determination on whether or not you will be able to save for the long term. And so you've got to rein in spending. That's where the budget comes in because we look at, okay, what can we actually uh, live on for those fixed expenses that we get a bill for and those discretionary expenses that we don't get a bill for, but we spend every month. And what things can I eliminate? Because if I can eliminate some of them, then that'll give me the ability, uh, you know, to have something left over, which I can save then for the future. Now, once you're happy with that budget, the budget balances, you're living within 100%, you've got some left over to fund your long-term goals. Now it's just an, uh, an exercise of finding the right control system, if you will, to manage it on a monthly basis. And the challenge with most budgets is, we create it maybe on paper and an Excel spreadsheet, and we don't realize we've gone over it until we get to the end of the month and look back and say, wow, I didn't do so hot. And that's where Larry Burkett's envelope system is so effective. Larry used to encourage folks to fund physical envelopes where they'd literally cash a portion of their paycheck and fund envelopes marked, you know, eating out and clothing and entertainment. And when the money was gone from the envelope, well, they stopped spending. We took that same idea and put it into a smartphone app that's in your pocket all the time to help you do exactly the same thing through a, a modern, simple digital envelope system. And it's called the FaithFi app, Faith FI, and you'll find it at our website, faithfi.com. Uh, just click on app and you'll read all about it. You can download it there. Here's what I'd like to do though, Lee. I want to use this as an experiment and see if our team can walk alongside you and help you get this set up and make it work for you. Because if I can help you get there and teach you how to use it and my team can you know, walk alongside you to do that, then it's simple enough that it will just kind of work for you in the background. And as long as you're willing to commit to it, to, you know, use it moving forward, I think you'll find that perhaps you can budget in a way you never have been able to before. But give me your thoughts on that. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds great. I I, I think that that's what I, um, I'm looking for, something that I can, you know, um, I, 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 nowadays I have the phone everybody's got their phone with yeah. them all the time. So I think if I have my phone and, and uh, you know, I'm, I don't have my envelopes with me. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, that's right. So if I have my phone, it's kind of like having my envelopes with me Yeah. and I can look and say, Oh, I, I, I don't have, you know, I don't have that. Yes. That, that in that much in that envelope. So I can't spend that much, you know, exactly. So. And you'll be able to see at any point during the month, what's left in each envelope. Now we're not actually moving the money. The money's still in your checking or your savings account or both, but in the app, you take those balances and you actually allocate them into each envelope. And then as your transactions come in from your credit card or your checking account or whatever bank or financial accounts you connect, it'll automatically get categorized in the appropriate envelope. And and reduce the balance so you can see exactly what you have left and then you know when to stop spending. And then when you get another paycheck, it 
builds it back up again and you move forward from there. So I think this is going to be exactly what you're looking for. So you hold the line. We'll get your information and get that right out to you. We've got a lot more still to come here on Faith and Finance, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Absolutely free. We know you've learned to be suspicious of those words, but really, you can get biblical financial wisdom delivered to your inbox each week absolutely free. Articles, videos, podcasts, and special offers on biblical resources. Nearly 60,000 people receive our free weekly wisdom email, and you can too. Create your free FaithFi account by going to faithfi.com and click sign up to begin receiving weekly wisdom in your inbox. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Uh, again, 800-525-7000. If you have a story, maybe a testimony or a question today on your finances, we'd love to hear from you. All right, let's head to Chicago. Hi, June. Go right ahead. Yes. Uh, we're up in the years, and i like to uh, get this settled about giving my grandson um, the house and putting his name in on the deed. He will buy the house from his uncles. He will give them so much money each for the house. Uh, what is your opinion about that? Uh, yeah, does Jen, that involve inheritance tax if we do yeah. it that way? There is no inheritance tax until you get, at least currently, up above a $12 million estate. So unless your estate's worth more than $12 million, at least based on the current tax law, you don't have to worry about inheritance tax. Uh, but you do have to think about capital gains, and that's really going to be the issue here. For that reason, it's generally not a good idea, June, to put a family member on the deed to your property to get around probate, because if you put your grandson on the deed, uh, he'll have your basis on the property, which just simply means when you calculate the capital gains upon the sale, he'll have to pay capital gains taxes based on what you paid for the property, which could be a lot. But if you simply leave the property or bequeath the property to your grandson in your will, he gets what's called a stepped up basis. So the new cost basis for the house is not what you paid for it, but it's actually as of the date of death where the inheritance occurred, which is going to be the current fair market value. And then if he were to turn around and sell it, uh, there would likely be no or very little capital gains. Or if he sells it much later, at least that stepped up basis is going to help him down the road to pay less in the way of capital gains. And if capital gains rates are heading anywhere in the future, I think they're headed higher. Uh, all that obviously is a is a political hot potato, but I think they're probably at the lower end of the range we're going to see in the future. Does that make sense to you, June? Yes, I think so. Um, yeah. Uh, I have a question about uh, Proverbs. It says a wise um, person will give an inheritance to his grandchildren instead of his own children. What is your thought about that? 
Well, I think we've you got to look at that in context, and I think you know what that verse was really talking about. Although I think the idea of a financial inheritance is biblical, it was really talking about a spiritual inheritance, and you know passing on a legacy of faith, which we should do to all generations. But I think this idea of a financial inheritance, you know, we clearly see that in Scripture. Uh, I think we've got to be mindful, though, about the role of money in someone's life. And I think we've got to ask some hard questions before we leave the inheritance. Not that we should try to avoid it, but we have to say, what do we expect to happen? What do we think will happen? What's the worst thing that could happen? And depending upon where a child is at, whether they're young or an adult, the decisions they're making, uh, their financial readiness, dropping a large sum of money in someone's lap that is not on a course pursuing the Lord, that's making poor financial decisions, could actually accelerate that negative behavior. And so I think we've just got to stop and say, let's look at this. And my friend Ron Blue, one of my mentors, says, if we love our children equally, we will treat them uniquely. And I know that some people struggle with that idea. It's like, wait a minute, I've got to treat everybody the same. Well, maybe not. And based on where they're at, what their financial need is, and their financial and spiritual readiness for that inheritance, I think those are all considerations, and that can change over time. And that's where a godly estate planning attorney can help you navigate all of this. So uh, bottom line is, I think inheritance is biblical. I think that passage was talking even more, though, about a spiritual inheritance than a financial. Um, And I think we need to ask some questions before we make decisions on leaving money to children. We appreciate your call today. God bless you, June. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about today uh, in your financial life. Quickly to Miami Beach, Florida. Hi, Lewis. Go right ahead. Um, I just wanted to give a brief testimony of what the Lord has done Great. in my life through the Ur ministry, actually. Hmm. I had brain surgery a few years ago, and I was practically bankrupt. And, um, you know, all my finances, I was a jeweler designer. I was doing very well. But because of the brain surgery, I lost part of my sight. I couldn't work anymore. Uh, so I was left with a big, big uh, problem with the debt that I have in, yes. into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. And by following the principles that I learned through your program, the Lord mm. uh, totally changed my situation. I was able to pay all of my debts. Wow. And But now I have a perfect credit, perfect mm. score. And I have a surplus of money uh, coming to me. And, you know, uh, it's a wonderful testimony that just to wow. encourage the people that are on the line that if with a situation like mine that was practically dead, they gave me any mm. hope to survive that situation. My wow. health. Wow. God provided in your situation. There's also the name Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. It sounds like you had healing in your life as well. What an incredible testimony of the faithfulness of our Creator God who provided, and thank you for sharing that as an encouragement today. God bless you. Uh, To Indianapolis, hey, Mandy, go right ahead. I've got a couple things going on. First of all, I have a student loan debt uh, $53,000. It's got a fixed rate of 4.5%. I've been deferring it since 2011. And I don't know if I should refi- refinance it or not. And then in addition to that, my husband and I have about 
$1,200 a month in bills. And then we also have about 4000 of credit card and hospital debt. And we're trying to help out my dad because my mom passed away last year. But what do we do? Sure. Well, Mandy, let me just encourage you. You know, uh, often financial management, money management can seem overwhelming because we've got all these uh, simultaneous priorities going on and we have to know how do we move forward and make progress. And, you know, first of all, the starting point is for you all to be on the same page as husband and wife, recognizing God owns it all and you need to be a faithful steward of what he's entrusted to you. And I realize regardless of the decisions you've made in the past, the question is, where are we at today? And so you've got to get an accurate understanding of where you're at in both your spending, that is your budget, the the income you have coming into your household after all the taxes are withheld and the insurance and anything else that's coming after your, out of your paycheck, your take-home pay, how is that being allocated? What is your budget? And where can you make cuts? You know, there's your needs, but then you're, there's your wants. And a lot of those wants can be eliminated to free up margin because that surplus of that margin every month is going to be the key to paying those uh, debts back. But it's got to begin with prayer and you and your husband being on the same page and then getting that budget dialed in and balanced. Hey, thanks for your call today. God bless you, Stephen. We'd love to take your call tomorrow. Give us a call then. Thanks to my team today, Gabby T, Dan, Amy, and Jim. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.